2: Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's that time of the week when we get together to talk about things that have to do with defense and with technology. Sometimes we call it we're all going to die radio. Uh, Well, at least uh, that's what my co-host John Wolfstall calls it. I'm David Rothkopf. John is uh, 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 an arms control luminary. Where are you today, John?
0: Uh, I'm in the secret bunker in Arlington, David.
2: The secret bunker in Arlington, which is actually a sandwich shop in Arlington. Maybe, um, uh, maybe may coming. Soon, yeah, right? it's not a bad, not a not a bad idea. Uh, today we we have a special podcast. We are joined by Mallory Stewart, who's the Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of Arms Control, Deterrence, and Stability at the U.S. Department of State. She joined the Bureau in 2022 after serving as Special Assistant to President Biden and Senior Director for Arms Control, Disarmament, and nonproliferation at the NSC since January 2021. For those of you who are following along in your NSC workbooks, uh, that's the same job that John had in the Obama administration. Um, welcome, Mallory. Thank you so
1: much, David and John. Happy to be chatting with you.
2: Uh, Well, let me just uh, let John uh, kick it off with the first uh, question.
1: Um, Thanks,
0: Mallory, for doing this. And uh, David, always good to see you. Um, While we sometimes call it We're All Going to Die radio, I'm always thinking that we're all going to die. And like you, Mallory, I spent a lot of time thinking about nuclear weapons and deterrence and security. And so before we get into the meat on all the things you've been doing and the hard work you've been doing, I want to ask you, how are we doing? Right? I mean, you hear a lot of doom and gloom, uh, Russia's invasion, threats of nukes, China's growing its nuclear arsenal. The United States has announced that we're going to build yet another type of nuclear weapon. Uh, how, How... how are we doing? How worried should we be? How, what does the world look like from your perspective on nuclear weapons?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you we're working hard. Uh, the world is certainly growing increasingly tense. Um, and we have two ongoing conflicts that are very challenging and adding to that tension. Um, but but we're not going to stop working. We're not going to stop trying to prevent uh, some of the doom and gloom that, that keeps us all up at night. And I think... You know, we're we're making sure that the international community knows that we want to work together to address what is truly a challenge to all of us and affects all of us and shouldn't be seen as a West issue or an East issue or a U.S. versus Russia issue. It's something that, you know, when we talk about nuclear war, when we talk about um, WMD generally or the dangerous effects of destabilizing technologies on um, the heightened tensions we're talking about issues that affect all of us and so um, while we should be concerned we should also know that collectively we can you know help make the situation better if we keep working at it
0: uh, Mallory, if you're going to be optimistic, you're never going to be invited on uh, again. <laughs> I promise uh, to but, never
1: be optimistic.
0: Well, and, and it's amazing somebody who worked at the NSC uh, uh, was able to keep that optimism, and now is getting to do um, the good work you are at the at the uh, State Department. Let, let me ask you because I know you were very busy this week. Um, you went up to New York and you unveiled um, a, an updated. Uh, document that I know you've worked very hard on related to artificial intelligence uh, and military applications. So maybe you can just give us a couple of words about what it is um, and why you think it's worth spending your time on.
1: Absolutely. Um, so we were very excited to launch um, the implementation of the political declaration on responsible military use of artificial intelligence and autonomy. Um, on Monday, we we rolled out uh, this uh, political declaration Uh, with an audience of of 46, um, or including us, (laughs) uh, uh, endorsing states um, to really discuss why this groundbreaking initiative um, can help guide the responsible development and use of military applications. And so um, what we're trying to do is ensure that we can start a necessary conversation for how to build the international framework to allow states to harness the benefits of AI while mitigating the risks from a, a commonplace of um, uh, agreement, essentially, that these are the first steps. So um, basically, the, the initiative contains 10 concrete measures to guide the responsible development. And we have to now work together to understand how we implement these measures. And these are not, these are not complex measures. They are, you know, the military should ensure their use of AI and autonomy is consistent with international law. Um, the military should ensure some auditability of their AI systems. They should ensure that the operators understand the context for their development, the potential risks of of interacting with other AI systems really, really help uh, train and appreciate um, where there could be uh, some risks brought into a system that, you know, starts relying on AI more and more as it goes forward. And that's what we're seeing across the board, not just in the military, but in all governments all across the world. So, we were excited to start putting something on paper that reflects agreement um, uh, of what we need to flesh out and what we need to build on to get to some sort of framework of of responsibility that the international community agrees with. Um, Since actually Monday, we've gotten another country. So we're up to 47 countries, and we really hope this continues to grow as countries appreciate that this is really a, a necessary collective step to avoid risks in our military use of AI.
0: So Mallory, I'll I'll give you a chance to clear this up because I I got a ton of emails this week from my friends who, of course, think the U.S. government is a malevolent entity and that there's always a a dangerous uh, Defense Department program designed to kill us all. Um, Notice that the the guidelines that were just updated um, no longer have a reference to um, keeping a human in the loop when it comes to nuclear weapons. And there was a sense that perhaps that was because the United States was thinking differently about this issue. Can you explain why the update has dropped that paragraph?
1: Absolutely, and thank you for that clarifying question. Absolutely. The United States is committed to keeping a human in the loop on the decision making with respect to uh, nuclear weapons. That's a commitment that the P3, our UK and French counterparts, along with the United States, uh, made to the international community in the most recent uh, NPT review conference um, that happened in 2022. And it's a commitment that we deeply, deeply um, are are committed to ensuring um, and also hopefully um, something that other nuclear weapon states will join us in committing to. Um, the reason it came out in this version of the political declaration, which, by the way, I hope will continue to evolve and have many, many new versions uh, growing and improving and elaborating going forward. This version, we took it out because of the requests from those countries that are non-nuclear weapon states, some of them, that joined us in this document. And again, that, that includes countries from every region of the world Um, uh, to say that if we include a statement on nuclear weapons or a a commitment on keeping AI um, sort of uh, controlled by, or or keeping decision-making controlled by humans or um, AI can't be solely responsible, if we say something about nuclear weapons, we somehow suggest either that we are uh, condoning that nuclear weapon program or that we are um, uh, suggesting that everyone... Um, has sort of uh, accepted um, uh, that that these nuclear wo- weapons um, will continue or are part of the military uh, challenges that we face, and we didn't want to limit the membership in this political declaration with a provision that that is only relevant to nuclear weapon states, and certainly at this point only re- relevant to the three uh, nuclear weapon states that have made the commitment. So um, we were really we were really letting it out um, for. I mean, you're really just only taking it out for the purposes of broader membership, but um, but it is obviously something that the U.S. government is deeply committed to.
2: Well, that should relieve John, who's been very concerned that someday Max Headroom would have his finger on the button. Um, you
0: just dated the, yourself, David. Nobody knows who Max Headroom no, is. Know. I could have
2: chosen, I could I could have come up with a lot of other nuke bot jokes I just was trying to. Keep it in your zone there. Uh, clearly, one of the things that's on everybody's mind this week is China, uh, the president's meeting with China. Um, uh, you've recently been in discussions with China. And, um, I, you know, I think it's it's an important dimension of, of Biden foreign policy that dialogue between these two dominant powers um, is a centerpiece. How do you feel that's going on your set of issues?
1: Yeah. I mean, this was an important um, conversation. It was important to lay the groundwork for our leaders to then subsequently engage. So we met on November 6th. Our leaders subsequently engaged, of course, at APEC, which everyone is watching. And it was important to have a conversation to you know, tee up what needs to continue in this arena, in-depth discussions, substantive, candid, um, to address uh, you know, maintaining open lines of communication and and to responsibly manage um, what right now is a tense relationship. And I think uh, that's why it was positive to have the conversation. But more importantly, we need to continue um, to sort of constructively engage that we can address any potential misunderstandings um, and 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 um, risks uh, that are, are part of, of of managing a very you know um, significant competition. Um, but also a significant um, sort of relationship that that really affects the global community.
0: So, uh, do you have plans or is there a commitment to meet again soon?
1: Well, I, we were very heartened that you know our our leaders agreed uh, that we will meet again. Um, and so it was something that 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 um, in addition to you know continuing working level consultations on many areas, arms control and non-proliferation was specifically mentioned. Um, we were also heartened that there was a recognition of some of the important risk reduction elements, an agreement specifically to resume high-level military to military communications, um, you know, affirming the need to address risks uh, risks of advanced AI systems. Um, so recognizing and agreeing that risk reduction is a, is a primary interest um, of the leaders of our two countries, and and agreeing that we need to follow up on our consultations on arms control and nonproliferation is a really positive outcome.
2: Yeah, no, no, John. In in your initial uh, list of questions, you wanted to go um, to the next set of of multilateral talks on, on on nuclear weapons. Maybe maybe you could dive a little into that.
0: Yeah, right sure. Now. So it, look, Mal, I, I, I think it's it. It's obviously better to be talking to the Chinese than not. And I know that the President Biden and you at the NSC and both at state have been working to get that. Everybody knows it's going to be a long road to get the Chinese to engage in formal arms control negotiations that limit stockpiles. Um, but you know, as well as anybody, we have a, a, another problem, which is that we've got a treaty with Russia, the New START Treaty, which expires um, in 2026. Um My understanding is the U.S., um, with your support, has made a proposal to the Russians. I'm sort of curious what you share with us in terms of whether we've heard back from the Russians and what your sense is on whether or not there's a way to break through with Russia and talk about nuclear weapons, even as we're supporting Ukraine and dealing with the crisis that the Kremlin's created there.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, as has been reported in the press um, after Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, said in his June 2nd speech, we are ready to engage with Russia on uh, uh, what the future of of our uh, potential guardrails guard on arms racing through the New START treaty and beyond looks like without preconditions, um, but also following on uh, to President Biden's statement that we still need a partner in good faith. We, we have provided a non-paper that tried to... Um, Sort of raise questions and ask about potential misunderstandings on their part or our questions regarding their um, inconsistent statements. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, John, as you suggest, a, a, a proposal for an actual follow-on treaty, but it was certainly a question-asking document. It was a, a, a request for clarification on. On 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 issues that they had raised in their in their numerous uh, press statements about New Start and compliance with New Start, so um, it was an important I think paper to get in front of them. We haven't heard back from them, and they've continued to make indications that um, they they may or may not respond, but their interest in discussing this is tied to um, our willingness to stop you supporting Ukraine. I mean, I think that's not realistic, and they know it's not realistic. Ukraine has a right to continue to defend itself, and we have to support it um, in the face of Russia's uh, continued illegal invasion and violation of the UN Charter. Um, So if they tie it purely to Ukraine, it's going to be a very difficult conversation to have. If they're willing to see the broader um, sort of relevance to their own national security by having this important conversation with us, by By actually um, figuring out where there's um, uh, guardrails and constraints uh, in the the nuclear arena that that would be in our mutual interest, um, then then maybe we can have that conversation. But thus far, they have not responded and they have suggested that this is purely uh, dependent on our willingness to let Ukraine be overrun.
0: So what I'm hearing is, yeah, we gave them a paper, but it's not really a proposal for following on to the current arms control it's basically about clarifying the problems that we have and they have with the current arms control agreement is that fair
1: yeah i mean i think basically what our efforts have been since their illegal suspension of the treaty with no with no basis is to try to encourage them to re- return to compliance right we're not holding our breath for that but we're trying to demonstrate that it's certainly in their interest uh to return to compliance that they have said Things like they will maintain um, uh, the the um, central limits under the treaty until such time as the treaty expires, but we may have no way to confirm that or verify it. And 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 really, how do they expect us to take their word for anything at this point, right? And they have they have suggested they will continue to um, you know provide certain information under other agreements, not under New Start. And again, it's it's very hard to understand where where their decisions are tied to reality or tied to what they think others want to hear or tied to expectations or not related to um, sort of coherent approaches to maintaining um, you know, strategic stability and maintaining their own national security. So we, we're really trying to clarify those questions with them.
0: So Mallory, you're really helping me with David because he always thinks I'm way too depressed. But what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is, you know, we're talking to China, but not about arms control restraints. Uh, we're talking about norms or crisis management. We're talking to Russia, but, but not about a follow on agreement. So, David, this is why I I drink on, in the evening, because, <laughs> you know, if, if you take a step back. Things, as, far,
2: things, as far as I can tell, you you're drinking all day long, actually, uh, you know. Um, but you know and, and that, that explains it but let, let me ask a question here that follows out of it um, which has to do with nuclear arms control issues that are complicated by current conflict we've we've got a situation in the Middle East where we're extremely concerned about escalation. All escalation roads all escalatory roads lead to Tehran uh, and clearly we've got a set of concerns about Iran's nuclear program. To what extent does the current situation, Complicate that uh, set of issues or raise new concerns that you may have.
1: Yeah, well, let me back up for one one minute because I do want to address uh, John's point that you know um, I don't think it's accurate to say that we have not uh, discussed arms control with China. But of course, in my in my um, sort of definition of arms control being quite broad, arms control mechanisms that reduce risk can include sharing. Uh, threat perception, sharing an appreciation for why um, uh, issues can be destabilizing, right? Raising awareness of an increased challenge as a direct result of destabilizing activities uh, that we perceive China be, to be doing or uh, China potentially has um, concerns about our activities. These are all precursors to um, a, a more broad traditional arms control model. And I, and I, I, I want to be clear about that because You know, I I hear a lot that we're not doing arms control right now. I see arms control as including risk reduction, as including uh, preventing uh, misunderstanding and miscalculation. Everything that we do um, to actually work even in the normative arena to define what responsible behavior is arms control in the sense that our objective is global stability and security. Um, So just wanted to clarify that point. But with respect to Iran, it certainly doesn't help that we have increased cooperation between Russia and Iran, we have um, no real incentive for Iran to work with the international community for uh, greater oversight and um, IEA insight into what it's doing. When you know they they are able to get all the support, assistance, and sort of military um, uh, you know guidance or or um, a partnership that they that they need um, from Russia and others, and I think. I think it's unfortunate that um, we have a situation in which, you know, Iran is able to continue to um, have a, a potentially hidden capacity without the oversight that can stabilize it in the eyes of the international community. And that's an exact recipe for misunderstanding and unintentional escalation.
0: So Mallory, we had um, uh, IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi on. Um, we're all going to die, although he was also he ended on an optimistic note. So you know he he and you obviously um, hang out in the same um, um, spa to re- rejuvenate. Um, but he, he he raised a really ominous warning. He said he's getting close to the point where we're losing the continuity of information about Iran's mining activities, its centrifuge production activities, to where he's not sure he'll be able to keep certifying in the future that Iran doesn't have stuff squirreled away somewhere. I mean, how, how do you think about that problem? How close are we not necessarily to breakout? Cause I think that's a significant worry too, but just like we're never going to be able to get Iran back in the box. Do you worry about that?
1: I mean, yeah, I think I worry about that. I, there, obviously, I think everyone is worried about that, but, um, I should point out cause I'm uh, very mindful of, 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 uh, Different bureaus' equities in this conversation. That my uh, sister bureau, the International Security and Nonproliferation Bureau, is 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 more in the lead on this Iran issue. Um, but but your question is relevant from a risk reduction perspective, where where we uh, play a little bit more in that the less oversight, understanding, and uh, sort of um, insight into Iranian. Uh, the Iranian nuclear program that the IEA has, the less they're able to calm the international community or address concerns that it, it's continued to grow in the international community, and that is where risk develops. And when when that continuity is lost, there is no ability to assuage the fears that could lead to unintentional escalation or miscalculation without returning to some level of insight. And that's where there seems to be no good forward progress.
2: Um. The United States Congress has been somewhat dysfunctional um, recently. Uh, (laughs) Understatement of the century, David. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And, you know, there's some uncertainty about how it's going to move forward with, you know, defense budgeting and and issues that pertain to um, deterrence. To what extent do you see the dysfunctionality of the United States Congress as a Risk factor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think not having a a very um, clear appreciation for the need for um, uh, bipartisan support for our military uh, and the promotions and the replacement of officials, we need uh, bipartisan appreciation for how we enhance our ability to protect ourselves in this increasingly tense environment, right? And I think anytime you have a situation in which there are divides, uh, very clear divides, um, along political lines on issues such as arms control, but of course that's my own little area, um, uh, but uh, on bigger issues such as deterrence capabilities and defense, if, if, if divisions exist so deeply for domestic political problems um, and for 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 um, issues that are unrelated to national defense and security, then we show the rest of the world that these aren't um, you know a, a unified voice, a unified message from our government, and I think it does lead to greater risks. We should not have the the, the domestic political overlay on such important issues as ensuring our military has appropriate positions filled, on ensuring our um, defense department officials, you know, have, have the, the positions that they need to execute decisions. I think when you let politics take that level of control over defense capacities, it, it it enhances risks, I think, just in the very appreciation of our allies that we'll be able to help defend them and support them when push comes to shove. So I, I think it is risk inducing. And I think everyone would would agree it's better not to have um, the the deep, deep divides in some of the fundamental national security issues we're facing right now.
2: Well, I, I appreciate, by the way, uh, Mallory, the the way that you've almost gotten John to his usual lunchtime flight of tequila shots. <laughs> um, but let's, I
0: may start early today, David. Yeah,
2: but let's give John the last question.
0: So, Mallory, I'm going to give you a chance to hone your talking points here because you know you're going to get these. Um, we had a great discussion a couple of weeks ago about the fact that the United States is going back into the new nuclear bomb business. Um, U.S. announced a couple of weeks ago that we're going to build yet another gravity um, uh, bomb, the B6113, um, at, at the end of the production line of it, of the current um, B6112. It, this has got to make your job harder, right? You're going to the rest of the world saying, don't build up. Uh, You're going to the rest of the non-nuclear weapon states say, don't worry, we're still committed to arms control. And yet, you know, even though we're modernizing every aspect of the U.S. nuclear uh, 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 infrastructure and triad, that's not enough. We got to have another new bomb. So help me understand how you're going to talk to the rest of the world and say, oh, don't worry, we're the good guys. You can trust us. This is not that big a deal.
1: Well, thank you for clarifying your question because when you first said I got to hone my talking points and and address something that I, I really want to address, I thought you were going to ask me about the name change of our bureau. So I was really. You, if you excited. want to talk
0: about if you want to talk about the name change, <laughs> feel free. That for for the wonks out there, they're 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 going to dive into that one. But you know, it seems to me like a three hundred kiloton nuclear weapon seems a bit more relevant.
1: No, of course. Um, listen, it's it's not a a. A new nuclear weapon. It's not an additional number of nuclear weapons. This is a substitute out and a a modernization, actually, is more accurate of of the 12 variant for something that is is improved in systems perspective and and capacities. So um, I think unfortunately, if it's described as a very new nuclear weapon, I am not sure that, or described as a new nuclear weapon, it's not accurate, right? It's a a modernized variant. that has a greater capacity, um, and, and is, 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 is something that's important for us to demonstrate our transparency on, right? We are, we are trying to address all the questions. We're having, uh, briefings with allies. We're, we're fully, um, sort of, um, answering the, 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 the confusion, I think, that that this rollout uh, potentially could lead to, and we're trying to demonstrate that this is the way, um, you know, again, this is what we view as stabilizing to address these questions. But <laughs> to your talking point honing, because I'm clearly not honing much talking points on that issue, uh, I will say that I think the name change was deeply important, and if anyone uh, really wants to ask me questions about it, I, I welcome it, uh, because, um, you know, verification and compliance is an absolute fundamental part of arms control and any arms controller that somehow thinks verification and compliance is outside and separate from arms control clearly doesn't understand how you can control weapons. Um, And that's why we changed the name from arms control verification and compliance to arms control deterrence and stability, in large part because what we do to deter bad behavior, to demonstrate um, what we view as stabilizing and hopefully uh, internationally recognized as responsible behaviors, deters bad action. Um, We co-lead our extended deterrence efforts with our Department of Defense, and we hopefully work to stabilize the international security environment through both arms control and deterrence efforts. And so the Bureau has finally named something uh, more close To the expansive arena of what our mission actually covers, so I I pivoted on that one, John. But but I hopefully addressed enough of your initial question to satisfy you. You're
0: you're very deep, Mallory. That's why I asked.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and 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 all the nerds, the the nuclear arms control nerds out there who are listening to this podcast, the
0: millions of us, millions
2: of us, the millions. Appreciate, appreciate the clarification. And,
1: and then with that, Thank I you. can say hi to my mom. But
2: anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you saying your mom is a nuclear arms controller? No, or she's, she's just not, unfortunately.
1: I'm
0: working she's it a on. good mom. She's going to listen to the podcast. There you go.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, hello. Hello, Mallory's mom. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Mallory, for joining us. Um, uh, as I said, Assistant Secretary, Mallory's Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of Arms Control, Deterrence, and Stability. And now you know what all that means. Uh, I, I, we are grateful that you could take the time to join us and perhaps you will'll um, uh, we'll be able to coax you into doing so again at some point in the future um, For now, thank you very very much. Thank you as always John. Thank you everybody uh for listening uh We won't be back with this podcast next week because it's Thanksgiving and really we're not gonna spoil your holiday <laughs> with, with more of this. I'm not, I- but we'll be back we'll be back the following week um uh and uh, and we hope you will
1: be back up uh, with us then until then bye bye